Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action helping others and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Okay, we are back. The introduction there was dragging a little bit for some bizarre reason, but such is the way. Julie, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you on this cold and actually snowy day in Texas. I don't know if you looked out the window, but we're actually getting some flurries. I get the announcement hey. from uh, Zoe. <laughs> but yeah, it reminds me. Be a it reminds. It reminds me of the first 35 years of my life before we moved out of Ohio over 10 years ago, uh, living in Ohio, you know, and the thing is, is guys, if you're in the Midwest and you are suffering from, or really most of the country, and you're suffering from uh, non-outdoor activity weather, then guess what? Get more work done. Pick up the phone. Call the expires. Call the third sale by owners. Do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You do not have wanting to go outside as an excuse. So folks, we are talking yes, about nor do your prospects, nor do your prospects. They're probably sitting at home waiting for your call. Just saying. That's right. Go ahead. Exactly. So guys, we're going to be hopefully going through the rest of our list today. We're going to go through this relatively quick. And these are the phrases and the terms and the words and whatnot that you should never, ever use. And we asked you yesterday to consider whether or not you are using any of these phrases and these terms and what the personal, psychological, and frankly, financial ramifications are of you saying these things about yourself. Um, you guys, we are. I, I maybe misspoke yesterday and the day before when I was trying to express Julie and I's uh, approach to motivation. And, and I had an email, and I think the person actually kind of was expressing what I was trying to say better than me. We have very smart listeners. And, I, and here's the clarification. So there's positive thinking, which we're obviously advocates of. And then there's a the positive thinking movement, which we think is snake oil. So here's the difference. The positive thinking movement was in essence and Julie is actually researching this. I did some homework on this yesterday, uh, day before, and she's going to be doing uh, writing a script for a show, and we're going to be doing that next week or the week after. And the positive thinking movement is where the secret came from, is where all these other sort of like, you know, sit around and have mystical thoughts and somehow the universe will deliver to you on a silver plate all your dreams and your hopes and your desires. That actually started, which was kind of funny, and we're not going to talk about this, but I just want to briefly cover it because it's kind of interesting. That started during like the Victorian era, during the, the era of the seances. If you guys don't know, there was a time when people going to seances and, you know, doing all these sort of things was very, very popular and trendy and to the, to the point where it became almost socially disruptive. Well, during that era, there were a lot of people that became very famous and rich because people believed they had some sort of mystical powers to communicate with the dead or see the future or whatever, whatever, whatever. So that's where the positive thinking movement came from. And one of the first books that really it's hilarious when I found this book, um, a lot of the phrases in this book that were written forever ago, what, 17, 1800s, a lot of the phrases are still being used today. And that's where the idea is that you can have these positive thoughts and mystically everything you want in life will come your way. Well, that's the stuff that Julie and I absolutely find disgusting, those types of snake oil salesmen. Why? Because it is such a subverse, it has such a subversive, nasty, life-destroying effect on people who actually believe it. Now, there's a difference, and like I said, the show's not about that, but there's a difference between the positive thinking movement 
you know, the secret is the best example for those of you guys who are in that sort of self-improvement, uh, you know, way of things back when that uh, movie book came out. And then, then positive thinking. Now, we're huge advocates of positive thinking. And positive thinking is, in essence, the antithesis, the opposite of what the show is about. Today's show is are all the things that you shouldn't be saying, you shouldn't be thinking, because you can reframe these thoughts because your thoughts, now don't confuse yourself with what I'm saying, your thoughts do, generally speaking, control the actions you take in life. Unlike the positive thinking movement, which tells you you just need to have the thoughts and usually doesn't um, ask you to take any action. You guys see the difference? So what we're all about is, of course, we want you guys to have positive thoughts. Of course, we want you guys to be optimists. Of course, we want you guys to see life as the blessing that it is. Of course, we want you guys to, you know, people ask <laughs> coaching clients, hey, Jim, how's it going? Like, what's the coaching call? We're not going to talk about my emotional state, but I always say the same thing. I say, you know what? Anytime you're born, anytime you wake up and you're on the green side of the grass, it's a great day. And I mean it. That's my standard for basically what it takes to be, you know, in a good mood. That's it. It's not more complicated than that. Julie, I have a feeling you're bubbling up when I say something. No, well, I mean, I'm glad that you're clarifying that because I've had a couple of emails myself about this, and I think it comes down to the difference between thinking about it and believing in it and doing all of that, but taking inspired action. That's why we're all about, if you read the treasure map, as well as Harris Rules, we're all about setting goals in five areas of life, but not just dreamy goals, right? Oh, you know, I'd like to have some more money. I'd like to have more free time. I'd like to maybe weigh less. Those are just dreams. The difference in what we prescribe, what we coach, what we, quote, preach, like some of you guys like to say, is goal is a dream with an action, underline that 14,000 times, action plan. It's not just thinking about it and writing it down. You know, we were coaching during The Secret, and it was kind of like the lost year for some of the clients because, you know, you'd ask them about their homework, and they'd say, well, I, you know, I wrote down what I wanted 20 times. Really? Then what did you do? Like that would take you, you know, maybe an afternoon. Then what? Well, I waited. <laughs> okay, how's that working out for you? Really? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about putting the action behind it, and that's why what you got, I think we're taking some time here to clarify. Yeah. What you guys need to realize is the, the uh, self-improvement movement, which Julie and I do not, you know, you, we're not gurus. We're not motivational speakers. We get asked probably once or twice a week to speak at some event. And uh, we got, got asked to speak at some huge event in LA where there was, they said there was going to be over 10,000 people in attendance. Tony Robbins was the keynote, okay? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And they wanted us to be on stage to speak with real estate agents. And there was a couple other people there that we knew. And it would have been fun. But here's what they said. They asked us, all they wanted us to do is basically be motivational speakers. They didn't want us to actually deliver any value. Matter of fact, they wanted us to deliver no value because their whole point was they wanted us to basically motivationally speak someone into buying a $400 product. And that way they wanted to half the money for the $400 product. That was their whole business. They get people who want to be motivational speakers who are all who already are quote unquote motivational speakers. They put them on a stage with a bunch of other motivational speakers. They get people geeked up, get them to give their credit card numbers. And the next thing you know, the company's made, you know, their company's made money. I don't want any part of that. Julie and I don't, that's for us, that's not real. That's basically snake oil. That's nothing more than the old fashioned traveling circus where you basically go on the carnival rides and then there would be a row of tents in the back where you could go and look at the bearded lady and the, you know, there's the guy smelling the snake oil. That sort of approach to uh, motivation is fraudulent and we want nothing to do with it. So 
We're going to talk about that in an upcoming podcast. And I, our whole point of talking about this at all is because we want you guys to start seeing things as they're being delivered for what they are. Motivational speakers, that whole space basically is nothing other than people that are essentially following in the footsteps. They probably, most of them don't even know the history of that sort of behavior, that sort of profession. But if you guys were to go back and research it, and Julie's going to research it, I sent her some links, and we're going to do a show about it. Look, it's nerdy. This is kind of wonkish. It, maybe some of you won't be interested in the topic, but it is fascinating because when you're at the bookstore and you're on Amazon and you see the rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of motivational books, I want you to think to yourself, if those books worked, why is it that they're, if motivational and positive thinking worked, why has there been so many books about that topic that have been needed to be written? Why couldn't one book have been written forever ago on positive thinking and after that basically it just summarily worked? Why are there so many people forever thinking about it? And the idea that your thoughts have power, of course they do. But the idea that somehow your thoughts are the ultimate purveyor of your destiny, is that's just bullshit. Look, if someone is born into poverty or born with a disease, is it as a result of the thoughts they're having when they're in the womb? Have you guys ever thought of the insanity of that? Because there's still so many people, salespeople in particular, are especially susceptible to believing, uh, to falling prey of positive, you know, thinking, motivational speaker guru types. Because we have to keep ourselves in a constant state of optimism. Because if we don't, we won't succeed. That's something that is necessary. It's part of your, you need to have a constant stream of nutritional supplements to keep your motivation, energy, and all that up. But what you need to be careful is, is the supplements you're taking have to be good for you and not bad for you. And some of you guys don't realize that some of the things you've tuned into mentally and emotionally are the very things that are making it so that financially you never grow and expand and become rich. Okay, so there it is. So we're going to be doing a show about that. Like I said, guys, we are 100% cutting through the bullshit and we're fluff free. We're going to give you information. Hopefully, guys, you can use to change your lives in a positive way. All right, so we are talking about the things that you should never say, phrases and words. And I'm going to go through a couple of them. And I want you guys, as, you, as I say these things, and Julie's going to go through the next two or three, here's the mindset or here's the question you need to be asking yourself. Do you say these things? Okay, and that's also kind of interesting if you ask yourself, when you do say these things, assuming you do, and what context? Like, for example, what's going on that you might find yourself saying one of these things? And, okay, and then if you know who who around you says these things, and what you're going to realize very quickly is a lot of these very you know life destroying phrases and words are surrounding you at all times, and you really do need to build a wall so that you can at the very least decide whether or not these things are going to have an adverse effect on your results or not. So the next thing that I wrote down, I'm going to go through these three things relatively quick. Is now this is a typical. Uh, you know, response when an agent is explaining why they didn't uh, really do the work that they were supposed to do. In other words, an agent who is trying to rationalize not picking up the phone, not doing lead follow-up. So number four that we wrote down is no one answered. I called, no one answered. Okay. There, that's it. You know, so no, they don't stop to think, well, did I call at the right time? They didn't stop to think, did I, uh, maybe should I call back? There's no system in place in their minds to realize that, like, for example, Julie, when you wrote that down, everyone is calling. What was the context you were thinking briefly? Uh, do you mean no one answered or everyone is calling? I think everyone is no calling. Sorry. They're kind, of, they're kind of the same uh, thing, right? Kind of. Basically, I, you know, where my mind goes to is, so you gave up after one attempt and what you said, what time of day are you calling? Are you calling when everybody's at work? 
you know, are you giving up so quickly? What pops into my mind is that people have studied sales in general, not just real estate, but closing on average takes five to eight attempts. So if you just hung up because nobody answered, did you even leave a message? Did you try again at a different time of day, a different day of the week, a weekday evening, a Saturday morning? And everyone is calling is just the biggest made up BS excuse I've ever heard in my life. Because not everybody's calling. We have to talk you guys who are our loyal podcast listeners who most of the time get it. We have to talk you into it. So there's no way that, quote, everyone is calling. Now, after one of these snake oil workshops has been in your office or in your town and had a big soiree about, you know, you need to be on the phone more, yeah, it seems like everyone's calling for about three and a half days, maybe. But that doesn't mean that they're using a powerful and proven script. It doesn't mean that they're following up. It doesn't mean that they're calling trying to be of service. It just means they're making an attempt. So don't use this that, as your excuse. Everyone's calling. Who cares? Be better than everyone. And also, not everyone's calling. Go ahead. So number four was no, no one answered when I called. Julie and I just covered that. Number five is everyone is calling. Julie just talked about that. And number six, these are all excuses you guys say and actually believe and hear from other agents as to why you won't do the real work in real estate, why you won't actually pick up the phone. Those are the three dominant answers. Now, here's here. let's meander into this one. I love hearing this one. That won't work for me or that won't work in my market, or another one, Julius, that's not my style, okay? Those yeah. are the things you guys, yeah. that's a, so what is your style, poverty? What is your style, basically not having any money? Look, if you're doing something that doesn't require you doing what you don't wanna do and you don't wanna do it at the highest level, well, first of all, you're the first person I ever met in the world that basically is able to live like that. You know, If you're having an incredible life of riches and you're absolutely positively not doing what you don't want to do what you don't want to do at the highest level, well, you're the first person I've ever heard about like that and I want to interview you so we can all copy you. But for the rest of us that are actually on planet Earth, the reality of it is, is that you always are going to have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level and you're going to have to do it consistently. And so when you allow yourself to believe that that won't work for you or that's not your style or that won't work in your market, what you're really doing is you're just making excuses to avoid doing the real work. The next one, which is very similar, actually the next uh, two, is number seven, I can't do it. I hear that from coaching clients, new coaching clients, not our seasons ones. They know better than to say that to us. But I can't do it. Number seven is the next thing that a lot of people will say. When our little girl Zoe says I can't do it, I tell her that's bad manners. Now, she's only four. She knows what bad manners are. So that's the quickest and most efficient way to make the point. She's not allowed to say that. And guess what? She stopped saying it. She doesn't say, I can't do it anymore because it's bad manners. And you should consider the same thing. When you feel like you even thinking or you hear, I can't do it, you just stop yourself and ask yourself, is that really true? Or are you just basically falling prey to old software, old coding, old sets of beliefs about you? Julie, I want to pivot here. And actually, I'm going to go over the next one too. Number eight is that's impossible. That's something else that people say. You know, how did somebody accomplish that? That's impossible. I can't do that. That's impossible. Well, okay, by you yeah. saying that and believing it, you believe it's impossible for you. So, Julia, I want to do have you do a little bit of a show and tell here, okay? okay. This is potentially embarrassing for you. Are you ready? <laughs> Great. Okay. Shoot. <laughs> for those of you listening, no, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, I want to have your honest answer. For those of you who've been listening mm -hmm. to the show for a long time, you guys know that Julie hates winging it. So, whenever I do this, you're going to get the honest answer because she's not going to have time to prepare. So Julie and I have been going to Orange Theory, which you guys all should be considering going to since last August. And it's brutal. And for the longest time, Julie was not very, she was not performing at 
where I suspected she could. She was doing consistently, I, I mean, I won't get into the, you know, the vernacular of Orange Theory, but she was just underperforming. And she was pretty well convinced that she was maxing out her potentiality. She thought that, and, and I was making the observation that, you know, other people who were there, who were also her age, who were also female, who were also in similar condition, they looked like they were sweatier. They were looking like they were working out harder. But Julie seemed to have a mental barrier against her actually pushing her, herself through a certain level of physical. She thought maybe she couldn't do it. Who knows what the conscious, the subconscious thought was. But then over the period of two or three days, she broke through it. So, Julie, you believed at some level that you couldn't do it or that it was impossible for you to consistently do the level that you're performing now. What changed? What was the thought or the thoughts that, in retrospect, that basically helped you to have the breakthrough? It's a good question, and I have thought about this. Um, I would say that it's a combination of I thought that I couldn't do it because I had never actually tried at the level that is required at Orange Theory to even not not just to like kick the butt of that workout but to just like basically live through one of those <laughs> i thought that i knew how to work out before i think you have a level of this too for being honest right we thought we knew how to work out we thought we knew how to push ourselves harder but when there is some kind of a you know they track everything that you do and you can actually see what's going on and you can also see other people around you who are doing better it's like a whole other different game so I think I was underperforming in the beginning because I didn't realize how to play the game on some level. And so that's the problem with saying it's impossible or I can't do it because you've already declared your loss when you say that versus saying, well, where, where I had to cross the bridge was, well, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can run at a sustainable even 20 minutes at that level on that incline without actually dying. Maybe I can. I had to try it. And you know, but the first joking, two weeks, but, it sucked, <laughs> but then I but figured joking, out how to do it. But joking aside, you, but joking aside, you actually thought physical harm would come to you at some level if you actually exerted yourself. Sure heart, <clears throat> a heart attack, yeah. Right. So, so who knows how long, but guys, here, Julie's being honest, which is always awesome, right? You know, when we're able to fillet ourselves in front of 100,000 people, but the, we're doing this and having this conversation to help you guys. Because Julie, if you guys were to see her, she gets compliments all the time on how she looks. I mean, she literally had, how many people did you have compliment you on your arms when you wore that sleeveless shirt the other day? I mean, guys, I she's in good shape. Stop, she's always stop. in good shape. The head coach thought she was a jock. Okay. You know, so, the, yeah. but the reality of it, the reality of it was, is in her head, she thought she was weaker than she was. Now, did she spend a lot of time wondering why she thought that about herself, wondering why she was basically, you know, worrying about her physical ability to do a specific thing? Did she spend a lot of time trying to psychoanalyze or doctor filling it? Nope. nope, because that shit's a waste of time. What she did is she partnered up with a couple of the gals that were there and, you know, informally at first, now formally, she's got some workout partners now and they push each other and they both do. I mean, you know, it, look, the reason I'm telling you guys all this it's because everybody has, even on Julie's level, everybody has preconceived beliefs and notions about what they're capable of. And it's not until you push yourself through that you actually realize how much crazy, you know, why were you holding yourself back, Julie, in retrospect? Why were you doing it? Do you even remember why? Does it matter? But no. why? It, just it doesn't matter why. Well, the, but that's right. a big coaching point, right? When right. coaching clients just to relate this to real estate, when you come to a call and you're all why you can't do it and something's wrong with you and you've got to push through your mindset and all these kinds of honestly for the most part made up bs 
who cares? You don't get to have a reason. Go of it and try harder. Do more. Figure it out. You don't get to have something wrong with you. Life's too short to have something wrong with you. Why hold on to that? I, I mean, honestly, I guess at some point I get sick of, of saying cardio is not for me. It's too hard. You know, I feel like I'm going to die every time. You know, I feel better now. You know, people talk about this runner's high, and I, I suspect it's just because I'm hyperventilating most of the time. <laughs> I'm feeling that way. But, but, you know, that's okay. Maybe that's what it is. I don't, I don't know. Who am I to, to ask, right? But it feels better because I'm pushing myself more and I'm getting more used to it. And, of course, then you have to up the game as well. But it's because I guess subconsciously I got just kind of got sick of that. That's not something yeah, that I okay. want to be about. But no, that so guys, requires not saying it's impossible and not saying I can't do it. That's the requirement of being able to push through that. Because otherwise, you'll just believe that the rest of your life and never get past it. That's no fun. Thank you. Yes, well, you've totally 100% hit on all cylinders because it is in perfect alignment with a lot of the beliefs that these guys have about themselves financially because that's our wheelhouse, helping these guys you know, get rich to where their money works for them and they no longer work for their money. And what Julia was just describing, I'm sure those of you who are intensely listening are going, yep, that sounds like me. I mean, how many believe, you know, Julie, let's, uh, I'm going to blaze through some of these. Number 10, well, yeah. number nine was that's not fair, okay? You know, some of you guys are believing that you're not more successful or you're not going to accomplish something because the level, the playing field's not level. Well, okay, look, you're the one that ultimately is the, controls the plow, but levels the playing field or not. It's called your effort and it's called the skills you put behind your effort. That's it. There will always be people that'll, that were born on third and act like they hit homers. And you know what? That's just the way it goes. The only way, like Julie and I were not even born on the field. We were born like not even in the dugout, right? So we had to create everything that we've had and the way we've won consistently, and you guys can do the same thing, is just outwork your competitors. I'm sorry it's not more sexy and romantic than that. The way Julie had her breakthrough, now she's consistently, those of you go to Orange Theory, consistently doing over 20 splat points a day. The way she's been an, an, an excellent athlete, supposed to be able to do 12, okay? The way, uh, the way she's done it is she just basically decided, I'm going to have my breakthrough. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to stop allowing myself to be held back by all these sea guys' thoughts. Now, she didn't think about, oh, I'm going to have a bunch of positive thoughts and positive thinking and write all these things down. She just took action because ultimately that's what controls your destiny is the actions that you take. So uh, that's impossible. That's not fair. Number 10 is I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a born salesperson. I'm not a natural salesperson. Ugh, that's okay. That's their favorite. That's okay. But every, very, very few people are, truthfully, guys. Yeah. You know what? The fact is, is that all a salesperson is is somebody that helps other people solve problems. That's it. That's what a salesperson right. is. If your preconceived notion of what a salesperson is, that's what's preventing you from actually learning and embracing the idea that you're a salesperson. A great doctor is a salesperson. A great priest, a great rabbi, a great whatever. They're great salespeople. A great coach is a great salesperson. If you ask me what I do for a living, I'll tell you I'm a salesperson because that's what I do. I'm selling right now, aren't I? I'm selling you on you. That's what I do. That's my job. You guys are great salespeople. Your job is to help other people solve problems. And when you solve enough problems or help enough people solve problems, you will, and you do it at a high enough level, uh, you will have abundance in your life. Number 11, my personality style is wrong. Um, I'm a D, I'm an I, and I'm an S and a C. Uh, yeah. We're going to do another no show. what their style is, it's always the yeah. wrong one, right? Right. So <laughs> guys, listen, I, just to sum, we do have uh, the personality profile stuff has been some of the most snake oil salesman crap that has ever now it originally was useful as a 
a profile. But what's happened is people are profiling to the extent that they're labeling themselves as only being uh, capable of doing certain jobs or activities because of some stupid test. Um, Again, this is another upcoming show that we've been working on. We do have a, uh, and if you want to take a free DISC test, just go to agentdisc.com, agentdisc.com, and you can take one for free. You don't have to pay 300 bucks. There's a lot of other websites, you know, brokerages that are trying to get you to pay to take uh, the disc test. Just go take it. And all it is basically is it's just a profile, you know, a loose profile. Like when you read somebody's Facebook profile and it says their likes and their dislikes, that's all it is. It is not some sort of, you know, tarot card or some sort of crystal ball telling you what your future is going to be. So please, if you are believing that the DISC is your, you know, the, uh, your fate, you have got to let that go. If you're new in real estate, when somebody tries to give you a DISC test, you got to seriously wonder what the thinking is behind the person giving you the test. Are they using it as a profile or are they using it because they think that somehow that's going to give some sort of insight into the person you truly are? You can be successful no matter what your DISC profile is. Okay. So we're going to be doing a show around, uh, frankly, refuting a lot of the ways that people in our industry are using DISC using DISC. Number 12, it's not my fault. Here, I'll give you the pivot to that. Everything that happens to you, good and bad, is your fault. If you approach life like that, everything that happens to you, good or bad, is your fault. If you approach life like that, especially on the things that happen to you where you feel like you're a victim, you actually liberate yourself from the damage of whatever happened because you're no longer the victim. We don't have a lot of time to drill down on that. We've done shows about that. But that's a very interesting, liberating thought. Everything is your fault, good or bad, that's ever happened to you. Point number 13. Julie, you want to talk about that one? Actually, combine 13 and 14. Uh, Yes, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too fat. I'm too thin, too tired, too bored. I'm the wrong sex. I'm the wrong race. I'm in the wrong ethnicity. I'm in the wrong neighborhood. Whatever flavor you want to put on that. Don't forget gender. You know, it's a man's (laughs) world. It's a woman's, you know, it's all women in real estate. Whatever you want to say. Texas, I know. What, what, and the what's whole, the hashtag? Uh, yeah, I'm too. Here's the hashtag. Not my fault. It's, yeah, you know, exactly. You're not owning it when you're too whatever. And if you are too fat, too thin, too tired, or too bored, you know, you do have the power to fix that. Okay? So that's not an excuse. It's just, you know, a decoy, basically. Some of you guys try on coaching calls, for example. But how often do you say that to yourself? Like right now, I feel like I'm too cold to be on this call. I, you know, we live in Texas. We didn't move here to, to have 22 degrees this morning. I feel like I'm really too cold to be able to pull off a podcast. But guess what? Too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, right. Well, what's the thing I, we I could hear have the most? said this morning I'm too tired to be coaching, but I'm not. What do we hear the most? Oh gosh, I don't too know. Old. Uh, too, too old, old probably. Too old Julia's for this. Echo. You, I'm you, too old for the technology. You have your computer speakers on. So, uh, yes, guys, that's the thing that we hear a lot is a lot of people will say that they're too old for it to be successful. That's the thing that they'll say a lot. I'm too old. Or, or, you know, you don't get a lot of too young. So I like how brazen the uh, millennials all are, to be honest with you. You know, Julie and I are the same way. So we're kindred spirits. But I hear all the time. And you guys might, know overt, might, might not overtly say it, but I can hear it in your voice when you believe basically your horse has left the stable and you could never catch it. And generally speaking, that happens in your early 50s. Um, and so we always say this, but, you know, there's a lot of other examples of this as well. Most people don't achieve the greatest levels of success until they're between the ages of like starting around mid 40s. And sometimes it goes into the early 60s. It doesn't even matter if you're in your mid 60s at this point. 
real estate is one of these weird, bizarre businesses. It's the only one that still exists where really your age does not matter. You know, it's your effort that matters. It's your directed effort that matters. It's really your, you know, it's the approach that you take to being of service to other people that matters. No one is fortunately asking you when you sell real estate to go out and dig a thousand ditches. You know, it's not just, it's not dependent on your age. And here's another thing for those of you who believe you're too old to be successful. You are not, if you're a baby boomer, you know, you, and you're just getting your real estate license, you're looking to start your second career or whatever. Or, you know, maybe you're using the excuse that all these damn millennials are kicking your ass. Well, guess what? The millennials all have parents and all those parents are baby boomers like you or Generation X like Julie and I. And they all would rather do business with you than they would your kids. (laughs) Okay. I'd rather do business with someone who's older than me when it came to buying your son. Right. And they assume because of your age that you have experience in real estate that you may or may not have. So the moral of the story, guys, is you got to be really careful about the language you use. Uh, with yourself and the language we, you hear coming out of the mouths of people around you. Like I told Zoe, you know, she's four. And uh, we told Zoe, she cannot use, the, uh, cannot say, I can't do it. It's bad manners. So consider using some of the things we said to you guys uh, shared with you on this show and yesterday's show as your indicator that you should shed those phrases and shed those words because they are destroying your and ending your potentiality of success. It's still mostly the beginning of the year. So take this stuff seriously. These little, I hate to use the word mindset, but these little mindset and language hacks do have a pretty profound effect on the, on the results that you're going to get in your life. Um, so the bonus one that Julie and I had, we haven't gone through all 20. We're going to post them on our show. This tomorrow we're going to start talking about investing. The bonus point, uh, so anyway, if you want all of our notes, just go to timandjulieharris.com and the complete outline. I didn't, we didn't mention the five last phrases you're not supposed to use. But the point number 21 that I definitely want to mention is don't ever say, I can't afford it. I can't afford it is one of those things that poor people say. I can't afford it is one of those things that lazy and complacent people say. You are choosing not to afford it now, or you're choosing rather not to spend your money on it now. But don't say you can't afford it. Can't afford it is a very, very nasty thing to say when you're really wanting to have an experience or buy something. Saying that you can't afford it is telling yourself in a way that you don't deserve it. So when you come across something that you want, an experience, a vacation, a car, or whatever, don't just say, I can never have it, and then become a, you know, a hater of people who do. Instead, tell yourself, you know what? I really do want X, and I'm going to figure out how to do it. And I'm going to figure out how to do it by being of service to other people and embracing that it's all about doing what I don't want to do and I don't want to do it at the highest level. And then you need to start seeing life for what it really is. When other people have things or are doing things that you're not, it's because they did things that you wouldn't. They did, they learned things that you haven't yet to learn, or you have learned, you just haven't applied. Guys, it's really that, it's that simple. Stop looking to mystics and, and uh, you know, stop looking to uh, all these, you know, flakes out there that are basically trying to just separate you guys from your wallets and not telling you the truth. Most of what we ask you to do sucks. You don't want to do it. I get it. I totally understand. Most of what we're going to ask you to do as part of the coaching program initially is going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to make it's going to force you to, as Julie had to do in Orange Theory, be uncomfortable until you realize that, you know what, it wasn't that big of a deal to begin with. And then you have a breakthrough and then you go to the next level and then you start becoming free. You become free of all those thoughts that were holding you back in the first place, free of all those preconceived notions you had about yourself, free of that antiquated software that's probably been bouncing around in your brain for decades that frankly has been outdated, outdated since the Clinton administration, free 
from all the things that have been killing your, your potential success in your dreams. Guys, look, it's not that difficult. It really isn't. Follow one course until it's successful. Focus. If there's anything we can do for you, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And remember to request your free coaching call at FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com. And when you do, we're also going to give you Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, which is another book that we should talk about on this podcast more, um, and the Real Estate Treasure Map, which is your 2018 business plan. If there's anything we can do for you guys, please email us directly. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.